Episode 57. What's up, fam? I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, Tony Coitus. Do you do it like every other thing now? Uh, you know sometimes what? Sometimes you're TC, sometimes you're Tony Coitus. I never take the same road twice. <laughs> Actually, you do, just like not. Just in a row. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, how you been? What's going on? I'm, well, I have to say, I was very disappointed to not see Billy Crystal in this episode. Why? Because I read it City Slickers. Ha! So here's the thing. I wanted to make sure, but like, yeah, I wrote City Slickers. When I was <laughs> originally writing the notes, I was like, City Slickers. Yeah. Wait, no, Slackers. slackers. <laughs> but I also wanted to make sure I wasn't missing like a more obvious joke. Sure, sure, so. sure. <laughs> um, yeah, this episode is... Dude, it's about damn time that we got some Feeny backstory. Well, we get some Feeny backstory. We get... Some of the things we love about Boy Meets World. Mm -hmm. uh, this is... I'm excited to get into this episode. We also learn a lot about Sean's perception of Feeny. Yes! That dynamic. was very revealing. Oh my god, I'm so excited yeah, to get into yeah. that. Um, and, like, there are... Uh, I mean, as always, there are, like, a few really stupid things. But you won't know that until we get into it. Also, this has one of the more memorable... At least for me, B storylines. Oh so. my goodness, no, dude! This stupid B storyline. Whatever. <laughs> Let's man. get into it. So, um, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Tell me all about the snow. Oh, good for you. There you go. I like it. Uh, this is season three, episode eleven, City Slackers. You know. Corey and Sean sneak off to Mr. Feeney's mountain cabin for a weekend of fun. But, hmm. as to be expected, they're caught in the act. In a B storyline, Eric and Frankie engage in a marathon game of pool. Uh, let's just start with the marathon game of pool, because I feel like that's really short, and then we can go into everything else. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say. It felt like they took characters that they were obligated by contract to include on screen at some point, Threw him into a storyline and was just like, yeah, sure, this is fun. Yeah, well, so, like, a few things. Uh, one, on a roll call, we have Julie Benz. Yes, yeah. from Dexter. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and she's Bianca. Yes. And I was like, oh, like, it's, it's, I also feel like she's been in a couple of things in the 90s at this point yeah. in time. But the moment she, uh, she showed up, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that we're getting, like, I think we're getting better casting right now. Oh, we start diving into like the like the the dream pool of of actors to choose from in the '90s because we're gonna start recognizing a ton of people. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. what with her and like, I just think we start to really whoever Christina casting, Carpenter was in the last episode. Yeah, yeah. who's ever act are uh, casting? Uh, either they had great talent with casting, or like. The ABC pool was just like, sure, yeah. just keep using these people. Uh, they'll, they'll be something. I mean, but it's all really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then also we get Troy Evans, who plays Ranger Mark, which is a kind of fun little goofball character. Sure. Um, but on the pool, um, 
story. So Julie Benz apparently is horny for jocks. Jocks, jocks only. And uh, Will Friedle gets the brilliant idea that he's going to say that he is a pool shark. He's like a pool, the well, number one pool master. Let's let's not just start there. Let's yeah. start where the story starts, which is at school, where Eric goes up to Jonathan. Yes, and apparently he's like, like Eric says something to him. He's like, "You're in my class." Like and that's the first time we learned that they have a class together. Absolutely, yeah. or that we reference Jonathan teaching another class. Yep. And <laughs> English lit, I believe. Yeah, English lit. And this will be important in the next few episodes, which yep. is why I think it's important to start there. But also, you get Eric being like, hey, do you know her? Yeah, she's also in my class. How do you know her? As her teacher, because she's in my <laughs> class. <laughs> and he's like, can you introduce me to her? And he's like, no, dude. And, you know, Eric's, of course, one track mind. She only digs jock. And then you even get this scene where uh, Turner's like, does this involve me? Like, yeah. can I go? <laughs> I, I Again, this was like, um, you know, there's times when a show will put together a combination of characters that don't usually interact and it works really well. Like yeah. Stranger Things does a really good job at that. Yeah. Um, but this episode was proof to me that Eric and Jonathan, it ain't working. Eric and Eli, weird. Frankie and Eric, weird. I don't know. I kind of... It was... I, I will give you weird, but Eli being at the pool match, A, made sense, and B, it was kind of like this fun outside perspective. I did like him the best out of everyone who was in that scene. That's what I'm saying. Like, every single time, he would just... He would have his commentary, which... I mean, it's still a little tropey black guy, but yeah. it's very, very much just the, hey, what's going on here? And it's just like, oh, this is what's going on. He's just, And he's just basically being the audience at this point in time. And he's having fun with it. And I I think I remember this storyline. The, 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 tr- the, the joke is that they play this game for hours and no one sinks in a single shot. Absolutely. Um, Eric starts off the line to her saying that he's a pool um he like he played in the olympics a the pool, pool olympics in mexico, or in mexico. Or and then um 1968 or <laughs> yeah, some yeah, shit yeah. before he was like <laughs> before, of age. yeah yeah and you know and then of course um he goes to chubby's and he goes to play it and then frankie's like oh sorry joey is like oh if you're trying to challenge my boy frankie here so we get both of them in a scene which we haven't had in a while can i just say R.I.P. Joey. Oh, this wait. This is our last episode with him. No! Why'd you make me sad? I just wanted to point that out. That this is unfortunate. It, it became evident to me that they were running out of shit to do with these boys. Based I mean, they episode. are. But and like... so I think they had to shake things up. And when it came down to it, Joey was just a more evolved character than Joey was. You mean and... Frankie? Yes, Frankie was a more evolved character than Joey was. He did have more depth, I'll give him that. We met his dad already, like, it was a thing. Um, But, yeah, that just made me sad to think that this was the story that... I think that this is a good story to go out on. I mean, again, not necessarily that they gave him a lot to do, but I think this being the last time we see him with Frankie, having fun, being true to his character, is better than the last time we saw him, which was... um, when he was doing the janitor bud. 
You know what's becoming apparent to me is that this show, as it evolves, does do a pretty decent job of, like, trimming the fat. So, like, you know, at the beginning of, like, season one, we had, like, this, like, family storyline, and they were like, oh, there's some things about this that are working, there's some that's not, let's change it up for season two. Season two, we got introduced to all these new characters, Harley, like, oh, you know, oh, Harley isn't working that well, but oh, Jonathan's working, let's keep him around. And I think as the show progresses, you know, they're trimming a lot of these side characters down to just be about the kids and yeah. the role that everyone else plays in the life of the kids, yeah. and I think the show works better that way. Um, but it's just interesting to see it in its process of, of evolving. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Joey. Um, uh, well, I mean, again, I'm really happy that we at least got it. Yeah. And, um, also the idea of this pool game. Have you ever played? Are you good at pool? Um, no, not at all. <laughs> Do you play? I or? can play, but like, I learned at like the YMCA when I was eight. Oh. And that's kind of I actually kind of want to take, it was only funny to me because yeah. I, I've, one of my hobbies I was looking up is like taking builder lessons. Like I just kind of want to try it. I don't know. It, okay. it seems like an activity that's like abnormal. I have and... never heard of someone taking billiard lessons. I never heard of someone like googling <laughs> like where can I get a teacher for this? Like well, it I doesn't mean, make it's not impossible because there's tennis coaches. I mean, there's all these things. Well, not only that, but in reality, as this shows, they like you can't just play it and yeah. be good it takes like there there is a craft to it what is up with frankie having a custom pool uh stick yet not being able to hit anything with yeah it? that's what i thought was funny but also what's really interesting about this is later on of course after the game is over after i mean first of all julie stayed a while way longer than she should have yeah um but for hours, she yeah. stayed and watched like people lose, which is the thing that gets her the driest, as we've heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, after everyone has left, Eric, of course, takes a shot and like all the balls go into, and it's just like this great, perfect shot. And he's like, same thing that happened in Mexico. Yeah. And it's weird because it's like, all right, so are we expected to believe that Eric did in fact oh, play yeah. pool in Mexico at some point in time, or? Like what? This is a sloppy who cares sandwich for <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. Don't I had fun with it. And any of it. I think that this is one of those like threads where it could totally like if this show was made now, it'd be one of those things that like just came back where like the cast goes to Mexico and they're like, Oh, pool guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's just my whole thing. Um you know what? I think the A storyline had just so much meat on the bone that it overshadowed the oh, B storyline. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. but I just I remembered sure. this B storyline and I wanted to talk about it. Okay, so let's talk into the biggin. Um Feeney presents the Matthews with keys to the cabin. Alright, so a few things with this one. One, we start off in a way where I was like, okay, what are we doing? Because it's we're using TV logic, but a lot of it didn't make sense. Cause you start off with Sean being like, you know what I like about your house, studying at your house? No Feeney. Feeney lives next door. He's always lived next door. Exactly. He's always, like, it was like, you've been here before. Yep. What What did you think would happen? Um, and then when uh, Feeney comes over to bring the key for Amy, um, they're all talking about it. We can't go, yada, yada, yada. Sean takes the key. Immediately asked to step outside, and like in that time, I'm like, so no one's asked for the key that was literally just presented. 
Um, Sean did have a joke that I really liked, which he's like, uh, Corey, we gotta use our code. Yeah. He's like, we don't have a code. Guys like us should really have a code. We'll discuss it at the next meeting. Oh, when's the next meeting? We don't have meetings. It's a <laughs> but fun But then bit. this club sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it was a very fun bit. I'll give you that. But I guess for me, I was just like, why are we doing this? Like, you could have just had, I, I liked that bit. Yeah. But like, everything else, it's like, oh, we're gonna step right outside of the door after I just made it very obvious that we are going outside to talk about something, and then I'm going to tell you my plan while we're outside of the door and everyone can watch us and probably hear us. Um, <laughs> to the point you were making earlier about uh, Sean complaining about studying and Feeney showing up, um, we just really get some vibes from Sean that we haven't really gotten in the past where he just, it becomes very clear that he really does not have the same relationship with Feeney that Corey does. Whereas Corey has this very much like, um, almost like a grandfather relationship with Feeney, Sean thinks Feeney legit does not like him. Well, I mean, this season has been about exploring the depths of Sean. Yeah. And, um, I mean, like, earlier in the season, we got that episode where I think a lot of things that we just take for granted now, knowing these characters, we're reminded that they haven't always been this solid. And, yeah. Um, earlier, we had Sean and Topanga being like, we're not friends. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah, they're not friends at this point in time. They're just, like, in the same circle, which is weird. And because we know of Feeney's relationship with all of the, like, with the four other students, um, it's just kind of, like, assumed that Feeney cares about, you know, like, they understand sure. how much Feeney cares, but this episode shows that, no, Sean thinks that Feeney doesn't like him. And the the flip side of that, we learned that Feeney cares about Sean quite a bit, more so than his other students, which Absolutely. later becomes obvious. But I think this was the first time as a viewer that we were exposed to directly how Feeney feels about Sean specifically, separate from Corey. Absolutely. Because, well, there's that whole scene where Sean goes, oh, you memorized my file. Yeah. And then Feeney's like, you like this Crows. band yeah. called The Counting Crows. And he's like, that's not in my file. And he's like, no, it's not. And it's like, no, I, I actually took an interest in you. Yeah. Uh, and I do care about you. Well, Sean's like, do you know that much about all your students? And he, Feeney says no. Yeah. Just but, a real coy type of way of being. But like, I'm just yeah. saying, like, even if Feeney hadn't said, like, directly no, it's still something to where, like, if Feeney did that for everyone, it would still be something where it's like, oh, this guy cares and goes above and beyond to get to know students and the fact that he doesn't do it for everyone and he just does it for sean speaks even higher of at least what he thinks about sean so yeah uh you know uh i really want to get into the watch storyline but did you want to talk about anything else about the cabin and them going to there's the a whole bunch i have on the yeah cabin. okay okay there are a few things like one there's the idea that of course Sean's talking about, like, going to the cabin, and he says we'll be able to see snow bunnies, and the crowd goes wild. And there are female voices that go wild, and I'm like, what, what, what are we wooing at? Okay, so this brings up <laughs> another point that I've made, because this is one of those circumstances where very much like um, the surprise party that Corey went to with Sean when they were the only two there. Yeah. Sean is actively encouraging Corey to, like, Hey, let's go hook up with these snow bunnies. Like, what 
does Corey think is going to happen exactly? That's like, all right, yeah, sure, I'm down. Yeah, he's, he goes, you know, I'm down. Yeah. So it just feels like one of those things where, like, oh, if you jump, I jump. But jumping into a bed with snow bunnies, maybe not so great when you have to pango around. Like, it's just one of those things. Um, but I, you know, again, and later in the season, we'll explore where Corey's mind is probably at at this point in time. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then also, um, with Ranger Mark, we get, like, that weird incest joke. Because, like, they're like, which one of you is Feeney's grandson? And it's like, he is, no, I am, and we both are. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, don't worry, I'm from Mountain Folk myself. And I'm like, again, why is this here? Like, did we have to do that? <laughs> it's, it's, it's the 90s. I don't know what to say. I, I will also say that, um... There's a scene where Sean confused the Rockies for the Poconos. Yes. And I'm not going to lie, as someone who grew up in Florida and therefore no mountain ranges, I also, for the longest time, did not know that the Rockies and the Poconos, and like just basically, for me, it was TV Mountain Place. Yes. (laughs) It was like, you know, I didn't really know like where Aspen was or like any of these things. So I'm like, I don't know mountain area yeah. <laughs> like ski lodge area um yeah. and having lived in new york i now know how close because i was even like how close usually they do these things you're like how close is the poconos to philly but sure. like, it's it's a manageable sure. bus ride yeah you can actually do that so um that's where my parents honeymoon oh that's sweet um uh John has a joke when they get to the cabin where the ranger's like, oh, you know, this is where the snow lodges. It's it's two miles. Of course, like, two miles? And Sean says, lighten <laughs> up, Corey. It's only one mile each. Yeah, yeah. I, I laughed at that dumb shit. I, I thought that was funny. Absolutely. Well, and there's also a point where they say, uh, that's why, you know, the, the ranger says something. And then either Corey or Sean, I can't remember, says... That's why you don't see a lot of rangers on the Tonight Show. And I thought that was really elitist. Well, I mean, what he says is, um, he's telling the story of, like, of course, the urban legend guy. And he's like, it was a murder-suicide. Which, uh, he was like, I I was thinking to myself, why would you tell this to two teenagers who are by themselves? But he says something about that, and he's like, how could it be, how could he come back to haunt everyone if it's, like, a murder-suicide and he's like, oh, I never thought about that. And he's like, yeah, all right, this is why you don't see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so Feeney shows up, and he catches the boys. And I just wanted to ask you this. Both Feeney and Sean say the phrase, bald face lie. Yeah. I thought the expression was bold face lie. I have no idea. Let's look that up. If if so, I'm the asshole because I've been saying it wrong for 31 years. <laughs> I mean, that would make sense. So it's actually bare-faced lie. B-A-R-E faced lie. Um, yeah. What? Yeah. Ne- neither is the answer? It, bear means, yeah, bear meant brazen or, or bold. So essentially, when you say it, you were having a bare-faced lie, you were saying bold-faced lie. <laughs> so they're interchangeable, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. That's a very disappointing answer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um that is that Yeah, is so he catches them. Um and there's a few times where I thought Sean was being obnoxious. To well, Corey. of course he is. Yeah. Sean is a teenager. Yeah. And I think it makes sense and and they even like what we see with Feeney is 
understandably, he's like, of course you two took the key. Of course you two are here, and I'm stuck with you. I came to do, I came to close this place that we find out later has a lot of sentimental value to him. Only to have you two be here, disturb it, and then you're being rude. And Sean has the audacity to play dumb or dumber. Sure. Uh, he is like, oh, well then, where are you going to sleep? And Queenie's like, boy, don't try me. Yeah. <laughs> there was one part where, um, you know, Corey uh, is like, I, Sean says something about Feeney being uptight, and Corey refers to Feeney, and he's like, oh, well, you know how the British are. Yeah, I thought that was so, fun, So, again, I know we've been hearing contrary things. I don't know if Sh- Corey would know the answer to this, but Corey is insisting that Feeney is British, and there was a debate about this that we had in the previous seasons about whether or not he was. I don't even remember that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm just, because I was very curious if he's British or not, and so far, Corey is team Feeney's British. Well, I mean, if okay. we ever attend the Boy Meets World convention, which we will I hope ask. we do, <laughs> that's the question I'm going to ask. Is Feeney British? Yes or no? Yeah, what's his ancestry? Yes. Like, so are we saying that his ancestry is British? That, no, I'm, I'm not are saying, we saying that. that I'm he saying, is from was he Britain? born in Britain or was he born in Boston? Because those are the two answers that this show well, can't make up. the one thing that is, I'll say, interesting to me is that Feeney is, his middle name's Hamilton. Yeah. A lot of the Feeney character is more... Americana. Americana. And so I don't see him being British. Well, but Corey I, disagrees. Well, but I think that's kind of like their whole stupid yeah, thing. Yeah. You know? Like, it's hard to say. It's really hard to know, I guess. And we have to ask him. I mean, to be fair, we don't know if it's the backyard or the next yard. So, it, like, lots of things can be. <laughs> it's clearly the, the backyard. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, but let's talk about this whole Sean and Feeney dynamic. Um, it's I, I just want to talk real fast about something that uh, Feeney says about Sean when he's kind of reciting his file. Mm-hmm. Um, he mentions that Sean was in and out of five schools before the age of 12. Yeah. Keep in mind, we meet Sean when, let's give the show the benefit of the doubt, when he is 12 years old in the yeah. first season. Um, so are we to believe that he was in different schools for almost every grade of his elementary school education? If so, then this absolutely contradicts the flashbacks we see in the future of Sean and Corey on field trips in the first grade together. Well, I was in different schools um, for a lot of my um, elementary education. And then also... Which probably showed with that sentence. <laughs> and then also, um, I've definitely gone to like more than one school in a school year. So, I mean, he could just be, they could have just honestly just moved around in order to make this work. But I think what the story is trying to set up is that Sean gets around. Well, Sean has always had this no instability. Man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that really does develop his his character and it fits for Verna and Chet. Yeah. You know for what sure, I mean? For sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was a lot. Cause so really there's a lot of backstory to Sean's life. Yeah. Right before we meet him initially. In Absolutely. Show, so. Um, and I think, you know, that kind of colors, it really does color Sean. I think that this season, as I said before, it's really about 
diving into Sean and his backstory. I mean, we finally get some of Beanie with this episode, but a I, lot of it is is us learning more about Sean as a character. And I would say that we with the Jonathan storylines, with um, Sean, you know, going on some self exploration a little bit later. I think the show realized that the most interesting part of Corey is his friendship with yeah. Sean. <laughs> Totally. Um, you know, I just really liked how this episode just gave us information about characters we've always known. I kind of am upset that, like, we get more what seems to be, like, time travel episodes Ugh. in this show than we do, like, these, like, like flashbacks into these characters, maybe things we don't know about them yet. And I yeah. feel like that was just so interesting to learn about Feeney and his wife, who he was when she was still alive. It, it, you know, he... he, he as he's described in the journal, he's like more like Sean and Sean recognizes that, but it only makes you as an audience wonder like, wow, how much of him changed because of the death of his wife and, and all these things that just give him so much color as a, as a character that I just really wish we saw more of with Amy and Alan and, and, you know, Frankie and these side characters that are there. Let's do more with them. Well, yeah, as we were saying, Boy Meets World, the writers, they give their characters such interesting backstories. Where yeah. We're like, yeah, tell me more about that. I want to yeah. go there. And instead, we will have, I don't know, a 70s disco party. And you're like, yeah. why do we do this when we have Feeny being this amazing character? Like, it almost yeah. reminded me of the their dynamic would be something, I imagine, that Up would yes. have. Where it's like you have like this uptight curmudgeon... Yeah of a young man who meets this woman who's just, like, passionate and the life oh of the God. party. Oh, my God. Thinking about the opening scene of Up, but with Feeney and his current wife is uh, yeah. making me tear up. <laughs> but I'm just saying it's an interesting thought experiment. And uh, um, I have like... Have we gotten to the episode where we reveal Turner's backstory yet? No, not yet. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but, which I like, but... Um, yeah, like, even the whole thing with the journal. Yeah. And revealing, you know, of course, that Feeney was once a young married man. Feeney be fucking is what we learned. <laughs> exactly. And this show uh, never, like, misses an opportunity to let us know that Feeney be fucking. Yeah, it really doesn't. That's a really good point. <laughs> they just, like, just in case you were wondering, Feeney gets it in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so there's that. And then also the significant of the watch and there's like there's a moment where of course the watch falls into the scene yes and you kind of know what's going to happen next and Corey like makes it go down the drain or whatever and feeney just like he just he's angry momentarily but he also has this controlled very quickly he he was able to rein it in. just resigned to understanding that it's gone and like He'll just have to let that be. And that's interesting when you consider the fact that he came up here to sell the cabin. That was his getaway with his Bro, wife. Bro, that's what's so great about this fucking episode is that the watch is symbolic to the, to the cabin. The fact that, like, his relationship with his wife is this thing he can't let go of. And then when the watch goes away, he's forced to let go of it. And that, how does that change? But he it? does that in, like, in that second. Yeah, He's just, like, in that moment, he's just like, you know what? I came to do this. I guess that's just one more piece that I'll have to do. And for me, it's just like, I don't know. I would just be like distraught. But yes. Feeney 
just he just kind of resigns to it. And it also just showed how good of an actor Williams William Daniels is. Yeah. Um I, I do want to just say how much I appreciate in retrospect, like these 90s sitcoms having these like really like heavyweight actors. Because when I think of William Daniels, when I think of like James Avery, when I think of like these like people that were on shows with a bunch of people who were relatively new to the yeah. scene, and they were able to be um, almost these acting teachers to these young casts and help them grow and become better um, through their example. I just think that, you know, we were well, really lucky to get someone so gifted to be casted in a sitcom. Yeah, I told you, like, how Adam Scott spoke about working with William Daniels and yeah. how he, like, was able to learn from him in the little time that he was there. And, uh, yeah, I just, I can't imagine... Um, like what would Boy Meets World be without Feeny? I mean, yeah. like there's such a there's such a huge part of that show was based on the heart and and moments and episodes like this. Sure. Where again, Sean's like, "Why do you hate me?" And Feeny responds in such a a Feeny way, and it's so in character for his response. But it's it's this slow unraveling of the depth of that character, and for him being like. Um, I didn't know you think that way, and... I don't um, hate you. I don't hate you. It frustrates me to see a boy with so much potential. Exactly. What else? He says something, um... He says... Like, yeah, yeah, I think... Sean says, you're always on my case. Yeah. And, you know, and, like, just even when he's like, oh, you hate me, he doesn't say, I don't hate you. He's just, why do you think that? You know, and it's just like, there's a very Feeny teachable moment, and I just think that William Daniels, as you said, he does so good with it, and the Feeny character is such a pillar of moments like this where you feel like you're learning how you should behave as a person. You know what I mean? Just by watching him. And the events of the show are written so well that it only makes sense for Sean to read Feeney's diary that night. Yeah. It's the only logical thing. Sean realized that this man, who he had a completely false perception of, knows so much about him without him knowing anything back. Feeney even says, what do you know about me? (sighs) That, that, I mean, again, it's, it's this whole teachers are people too. Yes. It's this whole, when you're a teenager, learning that, learning about people outside of yourself. Yes. Um, and I, I just think that, yeah, it's a really great way of doing this. Um, Sean reads the journal, realizes that Feeney be fucking, and he also realizes that Feeney's watch was given to him by his wife on their anniversary, with Feeney saying something to the effect of, you know, I can, I will always see her reflection in the glass yes. face or something. Oh my god. Poetic. Well, so, yes. one thing he says is, they say, Feeney is a great writer. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, we would expect. Of course. But I, I just love that, again, we're getting, like, these little bits about Feeney. He was married... He, you know, came up here all the time. Um, He learns about his students. This is, they're giving you all this information without actually hitting you over the head with it. Sure, sure. Which is really great. And then also, I love how we get this grandfather figure of authority. And what I mean by that is when the boys come back from the lake and, you know, we as the audience know that they went inside the lake to get the watch. Yeah. And Feeney's just like, you know what? I've had it. I, like, I don't talk on the way of here. Every time I try with you, he's just like, he's clearly dead. And, and you know what? It, the show does a really good job of getting him to that point because he, the day before, 
Sean was so obnoxious. And this is the same guy who was, like, putting a spoon on his nose for hours. So, for Sean to come in the house covered in piss and shit, Feeney's just like, oh, man, another thing that this kid is doing. Exactly. Yeah. And I've, I'm just saying, it's one of those things where it's, like, the audience, of course, we know why. And it makes sense that Feeney's not going to let them talk. And even for a moment, I was like, will he actually just let them, like, will they sit in the car and just be silent? But, of course, Sean's defiant nature is yeah. the one that's like, no. You need to know why we did this. And I think what's interesting in that is Feeney chooses to focus on the bigger revelation of that moment, which is not that they got his watch, but that Sean read a book. Yes. He goes, I see you read a book, Miss Hunter. And it's like, wow. That again, that like for that Not to be what read, you do. read a book, but that Sean was so interested in learning more about Feeney that he actually read a book, which he knows Sean hates to do. Exactly. So his interest in Feeney must be so much more than that of the person he thought hated him. Absolutely. Well, then also again, it's a it's positive reinforcement. Yeah. It's not like a oh, thank you for getting this watch or thank you for doing this thing for me. Oh, look at what you were able to accomplish when you put your mind to it. Yeah. Which, again, it's, like, such a teachable moment. And one that I don't think anyone else would think to teach in that second. But he does, and he does so in a way that's not, like... Again, it's not hitting you over the head. It's not, like, better than thou, or I knew you could do it. It's just, like, oh, I'm gonna let you realize the positive thing you did, even in this act that was for me. Feeney tells the boys to jump into the lake to cool <laughs> off when it's minus 20 or something I did like think that. that was weird. Um, weird? <laughs> Batman can go to jail if these children die. Yeah, I did think Just that was very weird. I was there. like, so you told them to jump into the lake, but we know it's, like, freezing. And, like, what, like, is there... Is there not running water? I don't know. Like, I'm just looking. Yeah, I'm not sure what the running water thing was, because I thought, like, obviously they didn't have electricity because they didn't know how to turn it on. Feeney would know that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we did dishes, actually. Yeah, earlier. maybe he just didn't want them in the house. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Um, okay. Um, One thing I want to say is that uh, Frankie... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh... To this day, uh, whenever I'm in a situation where I'm in trouble, I remember what Feeney tells the boys at the end of this episode, which is, don't speak, smile, nod a lot. Till this day, if ever I'm in trouble, <laughs> I'm just, I smile and I nod a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that I, uh, what was also interesting to me is when they come back to the house, I'm Turner's sorry. there. He doesn't say smile. I just want to... Yeah, no, but Turner's there. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's Sean's guardian. Yep. Like, it was like, it, I had forgotten, but it... It was just that little detail, because I expected Alan and Amy to be upset with Corey. But to have Turner there as well, you're like, oh, yeah, you are his yeah, guardian. It would be great to see you guys do something together at some point. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but no, um, also, I like that, again, as much as this episode shows and about Feeney, it also showed, like, at the end, Feeney takes the spoon and he... He tries new things. He, yeah. like, puts it on his nose. And it's, like, it's just, it's, I, I don't know. I'm just, it's praising Feeney and his openness. And it shows that he's so successful because he is open to change and to learning new things. And that's kind of his spirit. Sure. Absolutely. 
Uh, one quick thing before we end, um, just to, uh, just quickly, uh, to cap off the pool storyline, yeah. Frankie says he has to go because he <laughs> sings alto in the church choir. Yes. Um, I don't know how familiar familiar you are with vocal parts, but alto is typically reserved for the lowest female voice or the absolute highest male voice. Yeah. So I want you to envision Frankie, and I want you to imagine an Adam Lambert type voice. Because That's what they were that, going for. That yes. was the um, comedy. Of okay. It. All right. Yeah. And I just I wanted. I, I got that. I just wanted to point that out because I thought it was funny. Yeah, I wrote Frankie in choir. It's like literally my last note. And, well. and and the, him being in choir, him being in poetry, his dad being who he is, it's obvious why Frankie was the more interesting one and the one they chose to keep. So um, can, can we just have a, a, a quick moment of silence for Joey's character real yes. fast? Joey the Rat. Joey the Rat, R.I.P. Dead air. Okay, let's move <laughs> <on>. <laughs> uh, Yeah, so what was the... Did you have like a bra moment or anything of this episode? My bra moment was uh, students reading about their teacher having sex. Yeah, I, honestly, for me, when he was like, we're going to have to spend the night here, I was like, I could use with you, like, giving his parents a call or, like, being like, hey, I'm going to call your parents and let them know that you're here. It's just like, for you to just be like, nope, we're going to have to spend the night. And, maybe, there was, maybe there was no telephone. I, I just, I mean, if that's the case, though, again, in 2019 baking, I was like, you cannot have a grown ass man with two teenage boys in a cabin where the parents don't no. know. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. But that was the only moment I remember when he was like, all right, well, I guess we're spending the night here because we can't go back. I was like, not a good look, Dude, that's, that's how I feel when I find out that some teachers, like, text their students. Yeah, you I'm have a like, huge problem. I'm like, oh, that's just heebie-jeebie. You're just, no. Yeah. Don't, yeah. I, I honestly, I'm not going to lie. The, we've talked about this before. Texting doesn't really bother me. Um, but it's definitely this, we're going to be sleeping in close quarters. Your parents don't know where you are. Um, or at least we haven't seen any reference to, I called your parents and I let them know. Uh, it just makes it a little sure. This this would be a SVU storyline in any other. <laughs> well, I mean, Feeney does stalk Corey throughout his entire <laughs> educational career. So. We can't spend all this time praising Feeney and then be like he's secretly yeah. a better <laughs> Okay. Um. And any Feeney taught me. What do you think the lesson of this is? Um. To get to know. I guess to, to get to know a tr like uh, the people in your life a little bit better, yeah, um, or to uh, invest time in getting to know someone before you judge them, perhaps. I don't know. I'm trying to get something from what he says to Sean. Yeah. And I think that's what Feeney specifically was trying to take away. But I think maybe the lesson is more so for Sean to, I don't know, that no, whole no. concept. Yeah. No, no, I'm with you. I was like, it's either like that whole, it's not don't judge a book by its cover, even though the book is a very big part of it. But I think there is something to be said about the, what do you know about me? Yes. Uh, and I think that the the lesson that this episode is trying to teach is um, how well do we really know the people who are in our lives on a regular basis? Or the Feeney lesson is um, you can't fake pool. <laughs> <laughs> also very true. Uh, okay, great. What grade are you giving us? Um, you know what? If it were... 
because of the Feeny aspect of this of this show, the A storyline, I'm mm. going to give it a B plus. Oh, okay. And I'm going to give it a. Damn it, I'm torn. Because I actually really liked it, and I liked the secondary one. But when I really think of the quality of episodes that we've gotten, I mean, we learn a lot. There's a there's a moment. There's a real Boy Meets World Michael Jacobs moment between Sean and Feeny. I know. I'm so borderline A minus B plus, and I can't decide. So because of that, I'm going to round up, and I'm gonna give it the benefit of the doubt and give it my A minus. Which I haven't had in a while. There you so go. I'm really, really happy with that. Okay, homework. My homework is not something to watch, stream, ingest. Oh, wow. You're leaving me out here high and dry. My homework for you guys is to go and do some Halloween decorating. This weekend, I <laughs> went to a pumpkin patch. I got a shit ton of pumps. I went back to my crib. I put up uh, a bunch of decorations and lights and all kinds of things. And there's something so uh, fulfilling about just, like, being in a room full of your Halloween decorations and drinking some, like, (laughs) cider and watching a horror movie. Like, it's just, it's it's what the season's all about, guys. So I enjoyed it, and I think that everyone should just spend some time and appreciate our holidays. You know what? We are in the golden age of holidays when it comes to, like, the times of the year. Yeah. There's just nothing but hits for the rest of the year. <laughs> and so, like, why not just, like, appreciate them a little more, so. Okay. Um, my homework is uh, this show called Fleabag. The one that just won the Emmys? Yes. I have not seen or heard anything about it. I cannot speak more highly of this show. Okay, dope. Uh, than what has already been said. Um, What's it about? It's, all right, so... It's really hard, but the the show is about a character named Fleabag, and of course that's not her real name, but the show doesn't really focus on any of the characters' real name. Like her one of the characters is her stepmom, and it's just called Stepmom or Godmom. Godmother, I think is what it is. And um that's they don't really invest in names because that's not the point of this. The real point of the story is to its uh character development. And their per- perspective and it's i don't know how to describe it other than the main character is like a mix of carrie from sex in the city liz lemon from 30 rock and so she's like a corporate boss no she's just like she is she is a business owner what's the elevator owner. pitch like what's the uh, simple I don't know how to explain. Like, it's really hard to explain without giving anything away. But basically, it's just a young woman who is um, exploring her life being not perfect. Okay. And there's a lot of really big truths that are revealed. Um, Like, just about, like, being human nowadays. And, like, um, interacting and being lonely or, like, what dating is like and but like in a really honest way that most people don't talk about sure and i think that that is really important like for example i can i can say this the opening scene is her being like you know that feeling when you text a guy uh and he's on his way over and you told him that you had just gotten in but you were really in bed so you had to go shower get dressed then have a glass of wine so you there was a little bit of alcohol on your breath but then also like be waiting for him as if you just got in 
that's what I'm doing right now. And that is like the first line. It's just like, oh, you know those things that you do to like create this facade yes. <laughs> about yourself to other people? That's what I'm doing right now. And she does that whole Zach Morris thing where she speaks to the camera. Um, and the whole bit is about her not being anyone who, like, you can understand why people find her annoying or, like, why she's not everyone's cup of tea, so to speak. But at the exact same time, she's so endearing and she's so human in her interactions. And, um, yeah, that's dope. Yeah, I just honestly, it's really hard to describe without giving it anything away because the it's a British TV show. I will say that it is like two and a half hours each season, so okay. you can really marathon. There are only two seasons. That's all you're ever going to get. The writer um, and star of it has said that she told the story that she needed to tell, and the first season is very much about what it means to be dating now, and then the second season is about the different types of love that you have in your life, whether it be a sibling or with your parents or your friends and just there and what we seek in love nowadays. So, yeah. Cool. All right. So, um, thank you guys for listening to Broad Meets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Play, iTunes, all of the places. Leave us a rating. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and email us at Broad Meets World. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram at BraveMe. At .brave.me, motherfuckers. I don't know why he did those things. I apologize. <laughs> um, but... I want you to remember to dream. Should they also try and maybe do a little good? Maybe, maybe do good. Later, bros. Later, bros.